1: in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. Then he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness night. And evening passed, and morning came, marking the first day.
0: Genesis chapter 1 verses 1 through 5 New Living Translation
1: Haven't you read the scriptures, Jesus replied? they record that from the beginning God made them male and female. And he said, This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. Since they are no longer two, but one, let no one split apart what God has joined together. The
0: Gospel of Matthew Chapter 19, verses 4 through 6, New Living Translation. Hello, welcome to another episode of Anchored by Truth, brought to you by Crystal Sea Books. I'm Victoria Kay, in the studio today with Pastor Ross Kilpatrick from Northwoods Church in Tallahassee, Florida. Pastor Kilpatrick is the lead pastor at Northwoods and has been with them since 2018. Pastor Kilpatrick has some exciting news that he's going to share with us for listeners in and around Tallahassee. But before we get to the news, Pastor Kilpatrick, would you like to say a word of greeting to the Anchored by Truth listeners, and maybe tell us a little bit about yourself?
2: Hi, I'm Pastor Ross Kilpatrick from Northwoods Church here in Tallahassee, Florida, and it's a delight to be here. A little bit about me, I grew up in southeast Alabama in a small town called Sampson just a few miles north of the Florida line, so not too far from here. I went to Troy University. I have an undergraduate degree in business finance. I married a beautiful young lady named Amy Jones at the time. Thank the Lord, her last name is now Kilpatrick. We've been married for 16 years and have three children. I graduated from Southern Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky in 2010, and am currently finishing up my d studies at Luther Rice Seminary in Lithonia, Georgia. I've been here at Northwoods Church for about a year, and just thankful to be in Tallahassee. It's been a blessing. The church has been so good to us. God's been good, also enjoying living in Tallahassee. It's been a good city for our family, and we've quickly become even greater Florida State fans, so we are enjoying being in Tallahassee.
0: Well, before Pastor Kilpatrick gets to the specifics, I can tell the Anchored by Truth listeners that Pastor Kilpatrick's news concerns the book of Genesis. This week, we're going all the way to the beginning of the saga, and the Bible for that matter. Today, we're going to hear part one of the saga, which is called Seven Days of Wonder.
3: For the beginning, God was there. Power and wisdom, none to compare. Three in one, perfection and peace. Then perfection spoke and light released. No more gloom, no more void. With a single word, darkness destroyed. The morning stars rose and sang for joy as God's great plan had been deployed. He said, Light is good, Light is good. It, it reveals, reveals my, way. my way. Then he pushed apart night and day, evening and morning of day one, but creation's story had just begun. He split the waters above and below. He made an expanse where winds could blow. The heavens soared, its glory showed. The work of day two, finished long ago. Light and water, heavens and air, By his power, he banished despair. The morning stars sang, praised with prayer. Creation progressed, his splendor declared. Then God gathered waters into their place, so dry land could appear. He created space for plants to come, yielding their seed. All this occurred as he ended day three. He put lights in the heavens, Brilliant and fine, throughout the earth their light did shine. The moon ruled the night, the sun ruled the day. Day four was done, his beauty on display. Heavenly bodies, fruit bearing trees, plants in abundance to meet future needs. The morning stars sang in mesmerized wonder struck amazement throughout their number living creatures next fish swarming the sea and birds in the skies nesting in trees a brand new world vibrantly alive the morning and evening of day five He put beasts and cattle onto dry land. His crowning touch, he created man. Finally, for Adam, he fashioned Eve. And on day six, the world was complete. dwelled in Eden, in peace, no care. The morning stars finished their song of praise, for creation unfurled in just six days. The Almighty surveyed what perfection had done. The Father, Spirit, and Glorious Son very good, very good, God proclaimed with booming voice, giving all creatures a cause to rejoice. On day seven, God entered his rest. He declared it holy and made it blessed. The earth was done, the heavens complete. Now, Time established in days and weeks. The heavens still announce the glory of God. So doesn't it seem strange and odd that many on earth can't look above and see evidence of His matchless love? Men and nations, people everywhere, the true Son wants your sin to bear. He made morning stars. He makes all things new. He made all creation. He can surely save you.
0: As everyone could hear, that's a pretty power-packed few minutes. Seven Days of Wonder is actually only 60 lines long, but in those 60 lines, we're able to go through all the days of creation, including the celebration that the holy angels must have had as they watched God perform His amazing work. Pastor Kilpatrick, now that you've had a chance to listen to part one of the Genesis Saga, what did you think?
2: I thought it was fantastic. It was comprehensive, but it didn't go into so much detail that you couldn't enjoy the effects. A lot of the details are in the effects. To me, I thought that that complemented one another very, very well and allowed the mind to have imagery behind the words. And so I thought it was fantastic. And just as a plug for this, too, I've already requested a copy from my kids. So uh, I thought it was great.
0: Pastor Kilpatrick, please tell us about your big announcement.
2: I'm pleased to announce that Dr. Jonathan Sarfati from Creation Ministry International out of Atlanta, Georgia, is going to be joining us at Northwoods Church here in Tallahassee on November the 10th at 10.45 a.m. Dr. Sarfati is one of the leading experts in the world on the subjects of science and creation. He's written several bestsellers, and one of the reasons that we wanted to have him come is to focus on topics like creation, topics like dinosaurs, so we're excited that he's taken the time to come down and spend some time with us.
0: Why did Northwoods decide to invite Dr. Serfati to come to Tallahassee?
2: We decided to have Dr. Sarfati for several reasons. Uh, the first is just the passion that I have and the passion that is behind creation and all the implications of understanding biblical creation and how it affects everything as believers. And so getting the beginning right is very important to what we do today and moving forward as God calls us to live lives that honor Him in obedience obedience. It helps us understand our purpose and existence, and it gives us a great deal of certainty about the things that Scripture speaks to. So, Dr. Zarfati is one of the leading commentators on these issues, and he does a phenomenal job and a brilliant job communicating the Bible.
0: Did you always believe in a literal six-day interpretation of Genesis, or was it an awareness that you came to over time?
2: That is a a loaded question from a personal standpoint. Growing up in church, uh, I always just simply believed in the days of creation. There were no challenges when I was young to that. It's when I was getting older that the challenges began to be prevalent on a lot of different sides, especially during my undergraduate work at Troy University. And so during that time, I really began to think critically about what I believed and what I had heard from pulpits growing up on Sunday mornings in South Alabama and my home church. And so it was actually during my time at Southern Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky, that I just became captivated by it and, and studied it. I, I read a lot of systematic theology books on it. I read John MacArthur's Battle for the Beginning. The subject matter just drew my attention deeper and deeper into the subject matter. And and so, I began to study at that time specifics, and the awareness of my current position came from that time until now. Specifically, the literal six-day interpretation of Genesis gave me a lot of comfort. I've also taught science in high schools. I've taught physics. I've taught biology. I've taught chemistry, and and so science has never truly been an enemy of mine. And I think pure science is always going to point us to God as a creator. But through this process, I became a young earth, six-day literal holding to creation. And so I'd like to explain that just a little bit, how I came to that position over time. The first thing... I remember having a conversation with a football coach. I was a chaplain for the football team and the football coach had determined the position that he believed that Genesis happened and he fitted in with science. And he, he basically said, yeah, God created in this creation account in the Bible, but he created with a big bang. He, he said "There, there's nothing there that would take away from God speaking through the big bang and the big bang being the process of things coming to be as they are in order now. And that just rubbed me. the wrong way because, number one, it didn't feel right in conviction, but number two, it seemed like there was more of a desire to make the Bible fit science instead of science fit the Bible. And so, just in a general sense, I felt like it was a huge compromise. So, as I studied more about this, I, I, I came to believe, look, I don't have to fit the Bible with science. The first thing that I hold to is the authenticity of the scriptures Holding to the authenticity of the scriptures, I believe that they are clear for knowing God, for knowing truth, and for knowing how to accomplish God's will for our lives. So I don't think there's anything in the Bible that would be misleading or unclear. And I think that that specifically speaks to the Genesis creation account as well. So when I started doing the studying of the text, I studied the word day, the Hebrew word yom, and really just drilled down and wanted to understand that word because so much rides on it. So much of the interpretation depends upon that word yom. And as I did that, I studied the word in its context throughout the Old Testament. And so one of the things I found and discovered is that the Hebrew word yom in most every case, there were some exceptions, but in most every case, it's used for a literal 24-hour period of time. And so in its usage, the word day, yom, in the Old Testament means in most every case a literal 24-hour period of time. Now, the exceptions that are there typically refer to something like the day of the Lord or a period of judgment, a day of judgment that is a period of time in the lives of God's people for their rebellion and their disobedience. So there is room from that perspective to understand the word yom, but then you have to let the text decide what it means. And so we have qualifiers that God gives us in Genesis 1 as Moses was inspired to write it down, the account that God's creation and God's speaking everything into being and then resting on the seventh day And in each case, in each of the six days, you see there was evening and there was morning the first day. There was evening and there was morning the second day. There was evening and there was morning the third day. So in each step, you have this qualifier. There was evening and there was morning. And we know scientifically the sun comes up and the sun goes down. And so that is the earth rotating on its axis, which we know is 24-hour period of time. We have day and we have night. So not only does it in most every case mean, the word yom, mean, literal 24-hour period of time, not only can we see that from its usage in the Old Testament, we also have the qualifier behind it that says, then there was evening and morning the first day. And so that was enough for me to say, hey, it would be a greater stretch for me to impose the the day-age theory upon this when we have the qualifiers and the usages of the word in the Old Testament. So, I came to my personal decision at that point that I was a young earth creationist, and then the question comes if there is a literal twenty four hour period of time in that moment, what do you do with the appearance of the age of the earth? Why does the carbon dating we know that carbon breaks down over periods of time, and you know there's a deviation of reliability with the carbon dating method so so how do we compensate for? the earth appearing to be so old. And and I don't think it's a stretch at all on a literal 24-hour period of time. What I would say to that is, yes, the earth does appear to be old. The earth does appear to be mature because it was created mature. You think about it, when Adam and Eve were created, they were just moments, literally seconds old, but they were old enough and mature enough in their anatomy and their bodies to carry out the commands that God would give them, which would be to be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. So they were only moments old, literally seconds old or days old. At the uh, you know They were very, very young. They were physically mature. And not only with them, you think about the ecosystem around them. God didn't create just a seed to be planted and Adam and Eve need years to be able to breathe oxygen. He had to create an ecosystem mature enough to support life. So there is a reason that when we look at the earth, it appears to be so old. And you watch all of these shows on the Discovery Channel or whatever, and they would say, some say it's hundreds of millions of years old, and some say even billions of years. Well, which is it? Because there's a big difference between 100 million years and a, and a billion years. And so the truth of the matter is, biblically, there is, there is no friction at all with someone looking at the earth and a scientist saying, man, this looks old. Because it is created young, but it was also created mature so that God's commands could be carried out and that he might be glorified by it. And so in my six literal days, 24-hour period of time holdings, I haven't had any friction uh, when it comes to my personal beliefs about how old the earth really is and those six literal days fitting well with the idea that the earth does appear to be pretty old.
0: Why do you see the Bible as the inspired, inerrant, and infallible Word of God?
2: Well, I'd like to answer this question at the very onset here, that ultimately that belief in the Bible is a belief of faith. I believe it takes a prompting of the Holy Spirit of God It takes an enlightenment to be able to read the Bible, to discern the Bible, but everything that the Bible says is discernible. God's not trying to trick anybody, but to see the Bible as inspired, inerrant, and infallible, there are a few things I'd like to talk about. Number one, the scripture attests to itself to be the truth of God's word. Scripture itself affirms its truthfulness, and it affirms its truthfulness because God is truth. There's no shadow of change with him. He's the same. He's consistent. The words that come out of God's mouth and the word of God claim authority, so it's authoritative. And one of the things that our culture really is struggling with today is the idea of truth in any absolute context but beyond that, uh, it's the struggle. When you break down truth, you also break down any sense of responsibility to authority. And that carries through in churches. It carries through in organizations and society at large, politics, everything. So when we deconstruct truth and we make truth subservient to our emotions, to our experiences, we have no credibility to uphold any standard and society begins to also deconstruct around it. So, what I would like to say for the believer, for the non-believer, anybody that's listening to this program at this moment, understanding first that there is truth and truth is knowable. It is something that we have access to and should desire. But when we have that truth, it changes everything. And that's why it's a beautiful text in the New Testament It says the truth will set you free. It really truly is freeing when we accept truth by faith. So we know that God's word is his special revelation to us of truth as he's revealing himself, his redemptive plan, his love, his grace, his mercy, and his desire to be glorified by his creation. So in all these things, uh, I see the Bible as inspired, inerrant, infallible word of God. And and I would claim these things because of truth. I believe that God is truth and that's no shadow of change in him. But I'd also like to speak to the inerrant and infallible Word of God. A lot of people say, you know, what about all the errors in the Bible? There seems to be so many errors. And the first thing I always do, my instructor told me this in a very compassionate way, just hand the Bible. And anybody that would say that, just say, would you please show me where the errors are in the Bible? And most of the time, that stops the conversation because they're just regurgitating what they've heard in classrooms and universities and what they've heard on shows. Uh, And so that really opens up an opportunity, if you do it out of love and not condemnation, to have a conversation about the Word of God and, and its inerrancy. And I would say this, the Word of God makes wise the simple. It is clear. It's authoritative. It is a necessity in that we need it to know God's will for our lives. It's dependable. But when people begin talking about the errors, we just stop for a minute and think about whatever Bible you're taking to church on Sunday or Wednesday, you think about the letters on the on the cover of that Bible. You have the, the KJV, and you have the ESV, and you have the NIV, and those V's at the end mean versions. And so if there's any error that people are talking about, it's certainly not with the original manuscripts. It's with the translation. And so you have footnotes in your study Bibles that say the original manuscripts did not include this passage. So there are some problem texts, but the problem texts come from translation and they don't come from the original manuscripts. And so God, as he has inspired and given us his word, gave it an inerrant and infallible way. So God's word is perfect. And so, as for God, His way is perfect. He is a shelter for all who take refuge in Him. And that reliability is what gives us strength and faith in our life to do the will of God and discern what His good, pleasing, and perfect will truly is in Christ.
0: What information can you provide to listeners who would like more information about Dr. Servati's visit and Northwood's in general?
2: There's a lot that I could say. I would encourage anyone that is interested in learning more about Dr. Sarfati to visit their website, Creation International Ministries. It's just a phenomenal website. Dr. Sarfati and his group. there are several that are willing to go out and speak in local churches, and I would encourage anybody that is interested in hosting them in their home church to give them a call and contact them. They are very gracious. They are very mindful of the ministries that are going on at your church, and they truly do seek to accommodate the churches, and they are excited to come in and share their ministries in the local church setting. So that would be the first thing. But also, if you'd like to see a recording of Dr. Sarfati at Northwoods when he comes in November, you can go to northwoodschurchtallahassee.com.
0: Pastor Kilpatrick. We'd really like to thank you for joining us on Anchored by Truth today. Just as a reminder, the website is com. We'd encourage anyone interested in the program today to consult the website for more information about the church. Pastor Kilpatrick, can you give us a few more details about your church and maybe some directions to how to get there?
2: Northwest Church is located at 3762 Capital Circle Northwest Typically, the dress is casual or business casual. We have an occasional suit and tie, but uh, it is not required. We welcome everybody that would like to come.
0: For our closing prayer, how about if we pray that everyone would come to a saving knowledge of the God of the Bible, who is our one, sure, anchor to truth.
4: A prayer for the spiritually lost. Wondrous and perfect Father, we exalt your name and sing praises to your glory. Your word is the foundation of joy and the bedrock of hope. In you, there is blessed assurance. Without you, the shifting sands of a sin-stained shore would wash away beneath us and we would be swept into the depths by the tides of trouble. With you, we cannot be moved or thrown down though all the waves of chaos should pound against us with fervor and anger. Lord, too many have been swept away and we are grieved to see all about us, people we know whose life foundations are crumbling. We see our neighbors being pushed to and fro by the currents of popular opinion and whose lives are filled with fear and despair because they have no sustaining source of truth. We come before you today to plead for their rescue and redemption. We ask that you sovereignly intercede in the lives of those who are lost and sinking and turn their hearts to you. As when the citizens of Nineveh heard Jonah's preaching and repented, please touch our land and community with your word and call our neighbors to you. Give us opportunities to witness that we would miss on our own. Strengthen our hearts to stand for Christ as he stood for us. The glory is his alone. So it is in His name we pray, give thanks, and ask for the lost to be saved. Amen. Amen.
0: We hope you'll be with us next time, and we hope you'll take some time to encourage some friends to tune in also, or listen to the podcast version of this show. If you'd like to hear more, try out crystalseabooks.com, where We're Not fans. Famous! But But our boss boss is. is...